The following message, entitled, Women of God's Word, was given by Mark Altrogi on the 6th of March, 2016. To learn more about our church, please visit sgcindianapa.org. I want to welcome everybody here who's for the first time visitors as well. My master's here at Saving Grace. have a couple of really quick announcements. Just wanted to thank everyone who gave towards the Lifeway Change for Life baby bottle drive. We, as a church, raised $2,665.57. So, thanks for doing that. That's... We just... We want to just, all these opportunities for, for giving are just wonderful. And if you're a member and you missed our members meeting last Sunday evening, the audio is on our website at the, in the members login section. And before we start, let's pray for the team in Uganda, and let's also like to pray for Joe Ryer, uh, one of our pastors. He's speaking in Pittsburgh this morning in Mike Pearson's church, Providence Church of Pittsburgh. So, Lord, we, we thank you for all of these just incredible things that you're doing and opportunities to give and um, opportunities to serve in missions. And Lord, we pray for our mission team right now that is in Uganda. And we pray you would bless them. We pray you would use them for your glory. We pray that you'd protect them and keep them safe. We pray you'd give them opportunities to share the gospel with others. And we just pray you'd use them mightily for your, your glory. And Lord, use Joe this morning in Pittsburgh. Lord, use him to bless and build up and strengthen that church and just uh, give him safe travel back home today, we ask in Jesus' name. And help, help us this morning as we look at your word. Help me, please, to serve this church. And Holy Spirit, open your word up to us, we pray. In your name, Jesus, we ask. Amen. Well, if you noticed, last Sunday the stage was decorated in wartime uh, decor. It's, it's a little different this morning. That's because the last two weeks before this, Bob was speaking to men primarily, although to everyone, um, because we are developing uh, our men's ministry. And um, can you guess what the top... Well, okay. Never mind. This morning, the title of my message is Women of God's Word. And I just want to start off by saying I really appreciate our design team. And they're working so hard to just, just really be creative and enhance our experience here. Cause, so can we thank these ladies? I should have worn something a little more flowery maybe. We're talking about Women of God's Word. This morning's message and I hope I can encourage you ladies and women and girls, old and young, 
and express to you how extremely valuable you are to the Lord and to us as a church. And guys, don't check out because just like Bob said last week, the, the principles that he spoke on for overcoming and victory in Jesus apply to both men and women, young and old. And the same would be true for this. But we're going to focus on the ladies this morning, young and old. So God's God's been really good to us. We have recently assembled a team of women to plan initiatives for women's ministry. And just as with every ministry in this church, we want women's ministry to be rooted in and guided by the Bible, by the Word of God. And many of you women are already women of God's Word and have been for years and some of you may be just getting started with Jesus. And I hope to encourage everyone here with this word. And God's word is so encouraging men and women to build our lives on God's word. So, first of all, God's word tells us that Jesus honored and elevated women in the time of Christ. Rabbinical teachings, or the teachings by the rabbis of the day, in Christ's day, they really devalued women. Women were forbidden to testify in court, and that classed them, in those days, with Gentiles, minors, deaf-mutes, and other, quote, undesirables, such as the insane who were not allowed to testify in court. If a woman was ever in the streets, she had to be heavily veiled and was forbidden to talk with men. And women could go to the temple, but they were restricted to what was called the women's court. And actually, there was no such court in Solomon's temple, but they had devised that by Jesus' day. And women were not allowed to participate in public prayer nor could they read the Torah aloud in the synagogue, which men could do. But Jesus shattered these rabbinical norms of the day. He treated women with great respect and dignity, unknown to the times in which He lived. In Judean society in Jesus' times, it was a major sin for a man to talk to a woman other than his wife or children. The prevailing view of the time was that women were inferior. Yet, Jesus taught both men and women, and He often talked directly with women. For example, the woman at the well in Samaria. Jesus did what was forbidden by the society's norms when He started the conversation. And so in John 4, it says, "...a woman from Samaria came to draw water." Jesus, he begins this conversation. He says, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings 
with Samaritans. So this was a double whammy because she was a woman and a foreigner and the rabbinic oral law was very explicit. It says this. It said this was this is a quote I researched a little bit. It says, "He who talks with a woman in public brings evil upon himself." And another rabbinic teaching in, that was prominent in Jesus' day taught, one is not so much as to greet a woman. And so this was, this was shocking to this woman because in the Jews' eyes, she was ritually unclean because she was a woman and doubly unclean because she was a foreigner. And so she says, how is it? How is it that you're talking to me? She was just stunned. And when the disciples came back, they were stunned. And so in verse 27, it says, Just then his disciples came back, they marveled. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. See, it's, it's funny. I've read this passage, and I know, I know that they were, they were surprised, but I, I never thought about the fact... I hadn't researched the role and the status of women in those days. I, I didn't think that they marveled. <laughs> Later, at Martha and Mary's home, Martha, remember, she was doing what women at the time were supposed to do, prepare the meal, but Mary did what was reserved for men at the time to sit at the feet of a teacher and be taught spiritual things by him. That was forbidden. That was a no-no. But Jesus commended her for it. Jesus, he was violating a rabbinical law when he taught Mary, when she's sitting at his feet, because the, the rabbinical law said, let the words of the law, the Torah, be burned rather than taught to women. <laughs> Burn the Torah rather than teaching it to a woman. If a man teaches his daughter the law, it is as though he taught her lechery. That's the state, that's the status of, of women in those days. Jesus also called a woman by a title only used for men. In Luke 13, 16, he says, And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath day. See, the expression, a son of Abraham, was commonly used respectfully to refer to a Jew. But no one ever used the phrase, a daughter of Abraham. It, it occurs nowhere else in the Bible, and it's, it's a designation that Jesus created. Seems to be. Jesus honored women and elevated women by including them in His inner circle. Luke 8, soon afterwards he went on through the cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God and the twelve were with him, twelve disciples, and also some women who'd been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene from whom seven demons had gone out and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. In in that culture, in that day, only prostitutes and women of very low repute would follow a man without a male escort, according to one source I read. Jesus, 
Think about this. Jesus, one of his inner circle was Mary Magdalene who'd been demon-possessed. He'd cast seven demons out of her. In Matthew 15, 22 through 28, Jesus spoke to a Canaanite woman, another foreigner. And again, not only was it improper for a teacher to speak with a woman, but like the woman at the well, she was a foreign woman. And verse 23 in Matthew 15 says, His disciples came begging Him and begged Him saying, Send her away! For she's crying out after us. Get rid of this woman. But Jesus didn't do that. He talked to her and he healed her daughter. And think about this. It was women who were with Jesus at the cross until the end. Where were his disciples? Well, only John is mentioned as being there. It was women who were first to come to the tomb. Women who were first to proclaim His resurrection. When Jesus first rose from the dead, the first people He appeared to were women. On top of that, He told the women who He appeared to, you go and tell the disciples that He was alive. And in that day, a woman's testimony was worthless because she was considered to be worthless. So Jesus, according to one source elevated the value of women beyond anything the world had seen. Not only that, but women played vital roles in the early church. God's Word. We're talking about being women of God's Word. So we're basing all this on God's Word. Women played vital roles. Acts 21, 8 and 9. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven. He's one of the seven men chosen in Acts 6 to be one of the uh, early, what seems to be the first deacons in the church. He's one of these guys. Now it's much later, and it says, He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Can you imagine what that house was like? <laughs> Four daughters prophesying to their dad all the time. <laughs> dad, thus says the Lord, you should give some money to the poor. <laughs> dad, I want to prophesy. I really believe the Lord wants you to help mom in this. <laughs> Four daughters prophesying to him. And these four daughters would have prophesied in the church that he was a part of as well. Acts chapter 16 one who heard us, this is who heard Paul, was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. After she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Lydia was the first European ever saved. She was the first European, the first European ever to be saved was a woman. Yeah! <laughs> and immediately, she opens up her home to Paul. Romans 16.1 says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sencrae, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever 
she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Phoebe is a servant, and it says she's also a patron. That word means helper or protector or female guardian. If you think helper, Paul says, help Phoebe because she's a helper. She has been a helper of many, and she has helped me, myself, as well. This is a significant lady. Romans 16, 3-5. Greet Prisca, or Priscilla, and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. She had affected, Priscilla and her husband Aquila, had affected all the churches of the Gentiles. And they were hosting a church in their house. They had risked their necks, risked their lives for Paul. Romans 16.6, Greet Mary who has worked hard for you. Verse 12, greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa, these are ladies. Greet the beloved Persis who has worked hard in the Lord. And then in verse 13, greet Rufus, he was a guy, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who's been a mother to me as well. So women played significant roles in the church. Jesus elevated their status. They played significant roles in the church. And God's Word tells us that women are equal to men in value and gifting. Galatians chapter 3. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. I'll explain that in a second. For as many as as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Now, in verse 26, when he says, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God, that could be translated children of God, but the idea is, it's in contrast to those under a guardian. He mentions, you used to be under a guardian, but now you're family. All of you, men and women, are family. You once were under a guardian, but now through faith you are all in Christ Jesus. That's what it means to be a son. It really is talking about you're just an heir, you're in the family and so in Christ, we are all equal. It says, in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God. We're all heirs. We're all family. No one is superior. There's neither Jew nor Greek. Jews weren't higher status in the kingdom of God than the Gentiles who got saved. Neither slave nor free. 
Now, what he's saying is, in, 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 the, in that world, if a guy owned a slave and they were both believers, they were equal in Christ. They had the same status in Jesus. They're all family members. The master wasn't better than the slave. And so that's the same thing. He says there's no male and female. And that means in Christ, men and women are equal in stature. That doesn't mean that there aren't different roles that we play, but it means as far as our stature and value in Jesus Christ, we are equal. Husbands aren't better than their wives. Wives aren't better than their husbands. They may have different functions, but they're equal in value in Jesus. And the Bible also says that both men and women have gifts from God. 1 Peter 4.10 As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. In Romans 12.6 Having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. Paul is talking to men and women. He says, you, you have all kinds of different gifts. We have so many gifted ladies in this church. Every one of you has a gift. Every woman in this room has a gift. Every single one. And the Bible says we all, every one of us has at least one gift. Most of us have more than one. And we're to use those gifts to serve others and bless the church. Every single one of us. We, we have women gifted in administration, design, music, teaching, mercy ministry, prison ministry, missions work, art, writing. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And many of you use your gifts not only in the church, but outside the church as well. In teaching, medicine, banking, all kinds of other ways. Now, I want to just take a little couple minutes to, for you wives and moms. Let me encourage you. You have gifts. Your first place to use your gifts is in your families. And so Titus 2, 3-5 through 5 says, Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. So it says older women should teach younger women to love their husbands and children. Well, isn't that obvious? Do you... Well, we can be tempted to love other things. We can, I mean, men can be tempted too. Men, men are called, we are called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. We can be tempted to love other things. Like, we can be tempted to love a career more. Both men and women could be tempted to love career more than their spouse or their children. Uh, we can be tempted to love hobbies more. To love your husband and children means this. Your family is top priority. To be working at home, I looked at the Greek, to be, work, to be working at home means a keeper of the house or a guardian of the house. It means you're watching out for your family and family affairs. It doesn't mean that you can never work outside the home. It means that your home 
and family are top priority. And the wife in Proverbs 31 uses her gifts both in the home and outside her home to contribute to the family finances. And, and, and so, I, as I looked at Proverbs 31, and let me, let me throw out this caveat, and I'll, I'll emphasize this in a minute. This, this passage in Proverbs 31 has probably sent more women spiraling into condemnation than... <laughs> when I read it, I think I couldn't do that stuff. <laughs> but its intent is not to send people into condemnation. So it's, it's talking about a woman who uses her gifts um, first and foremost to serve her family, but she blesses others as well. It says, verse 13, she seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. Verse 15, she rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. Verse 18, she perceives that her merchandise that she has made is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. Verse 24, she makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. So she's working in her home and outside her home. She's, she's in her home working on things and she's out in the marketplace. She's selling sashes and linen garments and she's got a vineyard. And now this is where you can start to feel condemned because you, you could say, I can't do that. I mean, I, I can't buy fields and plant vineyards and, and make linen garments to sell. Probably most women when they read this would be thinking, it's all I can do to get supper on the table at night and keep my kids from going bonkers. <laughs> but what this is saying is that this woman, to the best of her ability, in her situation, uses her gifts to contribute to and bless the family. And so, the, verse 11 and 12 says, The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. So she's serving her husband. And then in verse 26, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindnesses on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So she's using her gifts as best as she can to serve her husband, to do good to her husband, to look well to the ways of her household, to teach her children about kindness. So what am I saying? All of you ladies have gifts to use. If you're a wife or a mom, use your gifts first to bless your family. And again, that doesn't mean that you are stuck in your home and you can never go outside your home. It doesn't mean that at all. Just like this woman in Proverbs 31, out in the marketplace. But she's, her first priority is her family. Same, same for men. Men, when, when you go to work and you're, you're pursuing a career or whatever, your career should not be of more importance than your family. Your family, your wife is your number one priority and your children are next. Your family is your highest priority, guys. So we're not saying anything different to the women. But then all of you ladies, also the Bible says, 
are to use your gifts to bless others as well. To bless the church, serve the church. And you do. So many of you do. We could not survive as a church without you ladies using your gifts. I, I mean that. I'm not just saying it. Boy, if you didn't, if it was just up to us men, I'd hate to see what this church would be like. <laughs> so, we want to build our women's ministry on, and our church, and our lives on God's Word. Everyone, Jesus said, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. In other words, if we hear God's Word, if we read God's Word, if we take God's Word in and we do it and we build our lives and our women's ministry and our church upon God's Word, we are building it on a rock, a solid foundation. And Jesus said, And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. I, I guarantee you that in our lives, rain will fall, floods will come, winds will blow, and they will, our lives will experience all kinds of things. And so we must build our lives on God's Word. And Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house or his life on sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. So Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, will we will withstand the rains and floods of life. So that's, that's what we want to do. On Sunday morning, we, we hear the Word of God. We take it in and we want to do it. We want to apply it to our lives. That's why we have fellowship groups. Because we meet together to seek to further apply God's Word to our lives. That's why we have a men's ministry. That's why we want to have a women's ministry. To be encouraging one another in God's Word and building our lives and doing God's Word. Psalm 119, if we, if we build our lives and ministries on God's Word, we'll be sure and solid. Psalm 119, 105, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's Word is our guiding light. God's Word will show us how to build ministry. God's Word you know, we don't want to build our men's ministry or women's ministry or any ministries based on all of the philosophies in the world that we hear. We're not, we're not saying, okay, here's how we want to build our women's ministry. We're going to watch Dr. Phil every day. We're going to do what Dr. Phil says. No, we want to build it on God's Word. And so the, this planning, the planning team of ladies is looking at ways to incorporate God's Word into women's ministry. 
And God's Word will tell us. It's our guiding light. It's a light. It's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It tells us how to live as men and women. It's our guide for marriage. It's our light for solving conflict. It's our guide for avoiding the snares and temptations of Satan. That's why we want to be men, women, college students, teenagers, and children of God's Word. Nothing's more important. Finally, Jesus said in John 8, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed Him, if you abide in My Word, if you continue in My Word, if you keep taking it in, keep doing it, abide in it, meditate on it, obey it, if you abide in My Word, you are truly My disciples and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus calls all of us to be disciples. All out, wholehearted disciples. Followers. And the way we do this is to abide in His Word. Continue in it. Regularly take it in. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Say it. Encourage one another with it. Listen to it preached. All the ways we take God's Word in. And when we do that, we'll know what the truth is. We'll be able to discern what the truth is from the lies that the world will tell us. The lies that Satan tells us. We'll be able to say, nope, that's not true. Nope, that thought that just came into my mind that God won't be faithful, that's not true because I've been reading in His Word that God is faithful. There's no hope for me. Nope, that's not true. There is hope for me because God's Word says light shines in the darkness for the upright. We'll have a thought. Someone gets angry at us and is just getting on our case and I'm, I'm feeling like I'm going to just blast this guy. No! God's Word says a gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. See, as we dwell on God's Word, the Holy Spirit brings it back to our minds when we need it. As Bob mentioned last week or the week before. As we abide in God's Word, we'll know the truth. We'll be able to recognize the lies of the enemy and the truth will set us free. We will be truly free. We will live victorious lives and experience true freedom in Jesus. This does not mean our lives are going to be easy or pain-free, but we will be free from the slavery of sin. We will, be, we will not be slaves of our emotions. We will not be slaves of our circumstances. We will be able to do, as we sang in this song this morning, we will thrive spiritually. And again, that doesn't mean it's just going to be an easy ride. But we will be free because God's Word promises we will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. We will be ultimately victorious in this fight, which is a fight, and it is a battle for men and women. So, ladies, Jesus has given you great 
dignity. Jesus has given you much honor. He has given you gifts. He has given you important roles to play. And we need you. And we're just really excited that you're in this church. And I so appreciate all the ways you serve this church. And we're just trusting that God is going to help us to encourage you more in the future through our women's ministry. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for everyone here, every woman, every teenage girl, every college girl, every older lady, every single woman in this room. I thank you for them, everyone in our church, and we pray that you would encourage them especially. And we pray, Lord, that you would help them in every role that they're playing not playing, but fulfilling. Help them in every role that they are pursuing and fulfilling for You, Lord. And I pray that You would use the women of this church mightily and powerfully for Your glory, Lord. I pray that You would help us, Lord. Please help this uh, ladies in the planning committee and help all the women in this church as they seek to build our women's ministry. Help them to be encouraged and built up and to encourage and build up one another and uh, it's all for your glory Lord all of it our men's ministry our children's ministry our women's ministry our worship team our building team our missions team Lord everything we do as a church it's all for your glory and we want to acknowledge, Lord, that anything good that ever happens in this church, it's because you've done it. And we just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.